Well, good morning, everyone. Nice to see you and Happy New Year again to you, those who weren't here last week. Just wanted to wish you a Happy New Year. So let's, uh, let's pray. Let's ask God's blessings on um, this morning, uh, the Word as we share, as I share with you from the Bible this morning, um, the next little while, and you open your hearts to listen to God's Word. There's nothing better, well, there's nothing greater than God's Word, but there's nothing more important than the heart that is open to listening to God's Word. Um, it's amazing what, how the same thing can make a difference and change someone's life and how the same thing can just bounce off someone's heart and mind because hearts aren't open to God's word. It's not God's word is, is ineffective, is our hearts are not ready and open. So I pray this morning our hearts are open to receive what it is that God has to share with us through his most precious word, the Bible. Lord, almighty God, we just thank you for the worship this morning, the time that we have come before uh, each other and you and just to honour and worship the King of Kings through song. And um, We are thankful to you, Lord God. At the cross is the place that we are made free, that we are forgiven, that you've given us life and we just really are grateful for this. And your word is an everlasting word and it can speak and continue to change our lives for the good. And we pray this morning our hearts are open to receive what you want to give us. Father, for those who might be um, struggling and challenged in some ways, I pray this morning that you bring comfort and peace. Lord, for those who are confused and need direction, I pray, Lord, that you continue to help your people settle in the knowledge that you go before them. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you were here last week, you know that I started, I wanted to look at Psalm 139 and have a look at the first few verses. And I got through about half last week, and I want to go through and just finish that off this morning. So you can open up your Bibles, the Psalms in the Old Testament, um, the Psalm of 139, which um, the psalmist, quite a beautiful psalm. We referred to it, I referred to it last week, like a, really like a love song, because the psalms were songs. They were songs that were, that were sung um, that usually had music uh, attached to them, and so here they were, here they were being penned down these songs. And this beautiful song of love songs is an expression of how much the psalmist loves God and how much he recognizes that God loves him. Um, and so we want to uh, read through and, and have a look at have a look at this psalm again. So we'll just read it through again, Psalm verses one to verses one to six. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and you know my rising up. Uh, You understand my thoughts afar off. And you comprehend my path and my lying down. And you're acquainted with all my ways. For it is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have hedged me behind and before. You've laid your hand upon me. And such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. And the last verse that we just read this morning is an interesting one because it's like when, when you realize something in your life, and in this case, the incredible love and care and involvement that God has in the psalmist's life, when you realize this or whatever it else that you realize that just blows your mind away, you kind of, you kind of get to a point sometimes you think, wow. This is all too much to understand. You know, when something quite overwhelming happens that is just incredibly beautiful um, and it's amazing, you thought, how could this ever be possible? Um, and then you just stop and you think, I don't understand. How, how is this uh, 
as it is. It's so amazing. It's so unattainable in knowledge. And that is, that's what he's trying to express, that when this realisation of how much the, the God of creation is interested and in love with him and is involved in his life, he goes, it's unattainable. Such knowledge is beyond me. It's amazing that someone loves me so much. And I want to share a little bit, of, a little bit about this again uh, with you this morning. So we've had a week already in the year. How's that? A week already, 2024. One week gone, one week down, 51 to go uh, for this year. And uh, how's it been? How's your first week been? Uh, you know, have you had a good week? Have most of you been on a holiday or have you been uh, out of not working at the moment or you just, is it normal for you? It's just back to normal routine. Are you ready into week one and you're thinking to yourself, oh, I'm so exhausted already. You know, I had two weeks off and now look, I feel like I've never had a holiday. Is that how you're feeling already in, in week, at the end of week one of 2024? You know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a whole range of experiences that we have in this place, you know, but God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. And your experiences and your emotions, they're going to go up and down, up and down, and you're going to feel all kinds of things, and you're going to be exhausted, and you're going to feel refreshed, and you're going to feel tired, and you're going to feel motivated. And they're all just going to be the, 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 the path of life. You know, you're not going to be able to avoid these things. You're not going to stay motivated at 100% every day for the whole year. That's not going to be possible. You're going to, even that will exhaust you. But God doesn't change. And the God of yesterday and the God of today and the God of tomorrow will stay the same. And if we choose to trust him, if we really choose to trust him and the path that he has for us this year, then we can trust and we can know that it's going to be okay. You understand? It's going to be okay. And we thank him for that because he's far greater than we know than our, our circumstances. And I believe it's... It's one thing, it's one thing to think we are smarter than other people, because I'm sure we sometimes think this. It's one thing to think we're smarter than our husband or our wife, or one thing to think that we're smarter than our friends or our colleagues, or it's one thing to think that we're smarter than our parents. It's one thing to think that we're smarter than other people, but it's a whole other story when we actually believe we're smarter than God. It's a whole different story. How in the world can someone come to a conclusion that they are smarter than God? How in the world can someone come to a conclusion that I'm so much smarter than God that I'll do this year the way I want to do it? That I'll do this year without Him? Or I'll do this year with only Him in part of my life? Now, how, do we get, how does someone get to that place where they convince themselves, I can do life without God. When God, in his love and his care and his intense wish, love, um, commitment to, to be involved in your life, is, is desiring every day to make the day both meaningful and purposeful for you. To give you a life that is, that is um, really living and, and, and healthy and, and good and proper the way he designed life to be. And how does, how does a God who wants that much end up having a people that think, you know what, I can do it without him? It's crazy when you think about it. It's crazy to think that we get to a point that we can be actually smarter than God. And all we need to do 
is not necessarily know everything about God. Because I don't know everything about God. Just like I don't know everything about you. It's not about knowing everything about God. It's not saying I'm going to work God out and then I'll follow him. Or I'm going to work out everything that I need to know about the complexities of the theology of God and then I'll follow him. It's not about that. That's not what a relationship is. I didn't know everything about my wife and before I decided to marry her. I don't think to myself, I'm going to work out every little bit of detail in case I miss something. But love moves you and motivates you. And all God is calling us to do is to trust him. And let him reveal to you just how good he is. That's why the Bible says, taste and see that God is good. We trust him. And there's something very powerful about trust. It doesn't do away with knowledge. It doesn't do away with intelligence. It doesn't do away with the sense of understanding things. But it's prepared to believe more in the character of God than every little thing that we think we need to know. Because God is good. And so it's very brave for anyone to say, you know what, I'll do life without him. I I think I'm smarter than God. I think I'm smarter than God. And I know the psalmist here um, uh, understood that a God who knew his thoughts, and we're going to read it today, we're going to look at it today, a God who knew his thoughts afar off is a God who wants to love him and be intimate in the relationship that he has with him. You know, over the years I've, um, over the years I've spoken to a whole ton of people so many people who have shared with me so many of their challenges in life. And to be really honest with you, all the years that people have shared the challenges and struggles that they've had in life with me, there have been times when I've sat with them, and be really honest with you, the times I've sat with them, and in my head, and sometimes I've actually said this to them, in my head or I've said to them, I don't know what to do. There are times... I don't know what to do. Honestly, don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Because maybe their situation is really complex or it's really painful or it's extremely challenging or I haven't really given a consideration. Whatever the reason might be, I've sat there and I've either said to them or thought to myself, I do not know what to say or do. But I've always known this, that in those situations, I've always known and believed that in the depth of my heart, God's grace is sufficient. And somehow, and in some amazing way, he is able to make that known to that person in a way that I could never myself, humanly. Make sense? Because that's who he is. He's a God who not only understands our circumstances, but understands me, knows me, knows you. So when Jesus asks us, remember last week I said to you, how are you? And I was wanting to know how you were. Unlike me, a man, human, who sometimes will get stuck to the point where I'll say to you, I don't know what to say. When Jesus asks us, how are you going? He'll never ask it without a promise. He'll never ask it without a promise. He's promised that he will always be sufficient. That in some way, 
some shape or form, when Jesus says, how are you really going? And you say to him, Lord, this is how I'm really going. That his promise is there. His promise will be there. To provide and to give what we need. Habakkuk in the Old Testament 1.5 says this. Look, this is God speaking. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For God says, I will work a work in your days which you would not believe though it were told to you. It's a really interesting verse. God's saying, look, watch, consider, have a look at what I'm about to do because even if you heard it, you're not going to believe it because of how, how, how amazing and astounding it actually is. And boy, we are living in an era today that God is doing that. I believe we are living in a time that God is working in such a way that's astounding. Moving and changing lives from the deepest of their pain and um, challenges and bondages. They're actually people where God is enabling to live free because of his truth. So he knows this because he knows all things. He thought about that for a bit before we, we look at the, what the psalmist is saying here and everything that he's talking about God. I think psalmist had a belief that God, he had an absolute conviction that God knew everything. And if we sit for a moment this morning and consider, as we move into another year this morning, as we move into another year of whatever lies before us, that we know a God who knows everything. For God, the, uh, for God there is no concept of time. God is not thinking about you in light of 2024. He's not thinking about you in light of the year. He doesn't think in terms of time. What he's thinking about is where you're heading, where you're going, what you're going to become, you the person that he's called into his kingdom. Isaiah 46 says this, God is a God who's declaring the end from the beginning. Do you hear that? God is a God who's declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that were not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. <clears throat> and that's why I think it's quite, it's almost hilarious, though I, sh I shouldn't probably lighten it like that. It's almost, it's, it's concerning when people think, you know, I've got it all worked out, when God's saying, you know what? Um, I actually know, I'm declaring the end from the beginning and what I counsel, that is going to stand. And what I have determined and predetermined for life and this world and this planet and everything that's going ahead of time, that counsel is going to stand. And if you want to be part of it, come and trust me. If you don't, then it's at your own risk. And so God invites us to come. Come and know me, a God who knows the end from the beginning, because I know all things. There's not a single day, present, past or future that I'm not aware of. And I want to be at the center of everything that you do, because I'm the Lord who knows all things. And I think the psalmist, I believe the psalmist, actually knew that about God, that he knows all things. So brothers, sisters, friends, if God knows all things, let's come this morning humbly, 
before him. Let's come humbly. Say, God, you're a God who knows all things. Here I am. I come humbly before you. What am I, what am I to be proud about? Listen, what am I to be defensive about? When you know all things anyway. You know, when someone <coughs> sees something in your life, <coughs> maybe they say, look, I'm just noticing. I'm noticing this. Is this what you're doing? Or, um, you know, is this something that I've, I saw you do this or I heard you say that? You know, what, what's that, what was that all about? And become defensive. Why? Why would you become defensive? They've just helped you out. They've helped you out to show and reveal something that perhaps you need to change. But God is, no, God is greater than that. When God, God, because of God who knows all things, I'm encouraging you and myself to come humbly before God and not be defensive and say, God, you know it already, so I come humbly before you. And rather than being proud or rather than being worried or rather than being fearful, I come honestly and humbly before you and break down the walls of the fence. Because all God wants you to do, because he knows it, he needs you to be in a place of honesty and brokenness before him. And the longer we, we try and uh, resist that, the, the longer we are not able to move forward. And we always ask the question in our minds, why am I stuck? Had that feeling? And so God, because of his God, God knows all things, he's asking us to be humble He's asking us to be honest. He's not asking us to be fearful. He's not asking us to be defensive. He's asking us to be dependent. And, and I think sometimes someone who is, can I say this word, someone who's arrogant finds it hard to be dependent on the Lord. And God gets sad over this. You ever thought about God as a God of emo- who has emotions? God expresses his emotions because he wants us to understand in a way that we experience things. And God is moved, he's troubled, he's pained at the idea that people arrogantly think that they can live life without him. He says in Jeremiah, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And then they've cut for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can't even hold water. And it pains him to think that what his people did was they left God. They thought, you know what, I think I can do life without God. And then they went and then they found themselves other things they thought were fulfilling. That's the, that's the picture of cisterns with water that you can actually you know, uh, go and drink somewhere else and be fulfilled. And they built themselves cisterns, and, but they were broken. So the more they just tried, the more they just felt it emptied. And God says, what have, they, what, what have I done that they would forsake me? And then not only that, like... like almost um, spitting my face by going and, and building other things for themselves that they think will fulfill them more. And this sense of pain in God's heart because he knows that, uh, sorry, because we know that his love for us is so great and the psalmist is, continues to communicate this. How much? Well, we said last week in verses 17 and 18, if, you, if you've got your Bibles open, Verses 17 and 18, the psalmist says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them, if I should count them! 
they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. He loves us so much that his thoughts towards us are more than the number of the sand. In other words, what the psalmist is trying to say, he cannot stop thinking about me. So the message is simple. He becomes our greatest love. He becomes our greatest purpose. He becomes the love above all loves. Spiritually, he becomes our first love, but he becomes our greatest love. So we go into another year knowing that God knows us intimately. So what is it that we can't bring before the Lord? What is it that you cannot bring before him now with all your heart and say, Lord, I've got to deal with this once and for all? And in all the resolutions, in all the resolutions that you're making, and I, again, do it, go for your life and make all the resolutions that you need to make. Do not neglect the secrets of the heart. Do not neglect the resolution to do the things that deep down you know that you are struggling and have problems with. Don't neglect the secrets of the heart. Because you can't hide. We don't want to hide. God's seeing beforehand. He knows ahead of time. He understands. And just like um, Adam tried to hide from God, all God's, and God's question was, where are you, Adam? wasn't a question to think like, oh man, he's found a really good hiding spot. It was a question so that Adam could realize, why is he hiding for? Because God saw and God knew as God sees and knows every secret of our hearts. So we don't want to find this year, and I hope I can communicate this as clearly as I'd like to, we don't want to find ourselves this year finding comfort in conforming to looking like what we're expected to look like by others. We don't want to find comfort in that. We don't want to find comfort in working out how to look Christian enough that no one asks us questions. We don't want to find comfort in that. We don't want to find comfort in acting Christian enough that people want to hang out with us and invite us to things. We don't want to find comfort in that. Knowing that all along, in the comfort of finding things, that we're doing things outwardly, there are the secrets of the heart that are not being dealt with. And while we might look the part, we're very far from the part. Because God is interested more in what is going on secretly in the heart. The very thing that I know about already. That I need you to bring to me. Just like in the Old Testament, when the Old Testament people were looking for a king, their mistake was in finding comfort in looking for someone who looked outwardly could play the part yeah that was their mistake and so they looked to a king like Saul who had the look of the king had the height of the king had the stature and the I guess the um the maybe the even the personality of the king and God said very clearly to his people don't look outwardly because what I'm looking at is something very different to what you're looking at and I'm looking at the state of the man's heart 
because that's what God is interested in. So this morning, as you think about your plans for the year and the resolutions that you have for yourself, do not neglect in the making of all your plans to achieve things in all the incredible ways you want to achieve or do things this year. Do not neglect the secrets of the heart. Where God sees, and I hope I've been able to communicate to you, God already knows. So let's make Jesus our greatest love, yeah? Let's hide nothing from him. Let's hold nothing back from him. And if you hide nothing from him and you hold nothing back from him, then I think this year for some of you, you're going to find yourself doing things that you thought you weren't capable of doing. Do you understand that? You're going to find yourself perhaps serving in ways you thought you could never serve the Lord because you're choosing not to hide anything from him or hold anything back from him. Because service isn't about your talents, though it helps, and though we welcome people of talent that God has gifted, service is about character and being able to be of character that loves the Lord your God first and foremost. And if you hide nothing from him and you hold nothing back from him, then some of you will find yourselves in places of service this year that you thought you couldn't do. For others, you'll find yourself this year doing things or, or, or growing in areas that you thought you couldn't even grow in. But I promise you, by God's grace and by the truths of his word, that if you hold nothing back and you hide nothing from him, you will grow in areas that you thought you could never grow in. We call this scripturally or theologically, we call this sanctification because this is God's promise. And if you hide nothing from him and you, call, and you hold nothing back from him, <clears throat> some of you, I think, this year will find yourselves making decisions that you thought you wouldn't make. For example, perhaps some of you this morning, in sitting in this room even, will make the decision this year to be baptised for the Lord. Because maybe today you're sitting thinking, oh, what is, what is baptism even? What is it even? <laughs> you know? Oh, no, surely not me, you know? But I tell you the truth. If you hold nothing from him, I oh, sorry, hide nothing from him, and hold nothing back from him, some of you, yeah, it's quite possible, will make decisions to affirm your faith, perhaps decisions you thought you would never make, such as baptism. The Bible says in, in Proverbs 16, commit, the, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Hide nothing from him, hold nothing back from him. And what you'll do is become like that woman who went to Jesus and couldn't help herself rightly and to her credit, couldn't help herself but break the jar of beautiful ointment and pour it on his head. Did she hide anything from him? She brought her greatest prized possession. Did she hold anything back from him? Well, no, once you crack a jar, it's pretty hard to keep the perfume in there or the oil in there. She held nothing back. She broke it and poured it out on him. And though people um, argued about what she did, oh, why did she do this? We could have sold this and given it to the poor. Jesus says, leave her alone. In fact, in fact, wherever my gospel is preached, he said, the story of this woman is going to be told. Because you know what? Great faith gives great testimony that can't not be told. And she took by faith the decision to hold nothing back but to break the jar 
and to pour it on Jesus. So Psalm 139, 1-4, if I could summarise it, the psalmist is saying that God knows all my actions, all my thoughts and all my words. Isn't that amazing? I don't know, I'm just trying to think now. I probably should have thought about this more before I started speaking. But is there anything else about humanity, life, that is part of us? Thoughts, actions and words. If you want to include emotions and thoughts. And what this psalmist is saying here is God God knows it all. He knows my thoughts, he knows my actions and he knows my words. So in verse 2, if you look at verse 2 with me, He says, you know my sitting down and my rising up, you understand my thought afar off. You know my sitting down and my rising up. In other words, you know whatever I'm doing. You're interested in whatever I'm doing, sitting or getting up. It's a picture that God, you not only are aware, but you're interested in every little thing I'm doing. And the secret or the key is not so much to know that God is aware or that the idea that God is aware, but for us to know or be aware that he's aware. I hope I haven't confused you. Because we call this practicing the presence of God. Because the beauty is not some theological statement that says, yeah, God is aware of everything. My sitting down and my rising up. And we just know it as a statement. But when we are able to be completely and utterly aware ourselves that yes, when I get up and when I sit down, God, you're aware, then it changes everything. Because when I get home, if I know that God is aware of my sitting down and my rising up, you know how much it changes? It changes everything. So when I get home and I greet my wife, I know God's aware. When I go home and if I greet my children, I know God's aware. Because God's interested. He's aware of how I'm greeting my wife. He's aware of how I'm greeting my children. If I've got a uh, discipline in some ways, God is aware of how I'm disciplining. He's aware of it because he's interested in it. When I'm buying my groceries, God's aware of how I'm going down the aisles and what I'm thinking about. God is aware because he's interested in it. When I'm sharing my faith with someone, he's aware because he's interested in that. Because the, 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 the beauty of this verse is not just that God is aware, but that I'm aware that he's aware. Does that make sense? That transforms life. Because all of a sudden I am practicing his presence every moment, every word, every deed, every action. And I love it. Because there is nothing more transforming than knowing and being aware that God is aware. Psalm 63, 6 says this, When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. How many times have you done that? Can't sleep at night. You're lying in bed and your meditation, your reflections is of the Lord. You know, And even in those night times... <laughs> If you like, the psalmist is saying, I meditate on you in the night watches. One person reflected on this verse like this. Listen to this. I'll read it out to you. In the various circumstances of life, you know me. You know me in one place as well as in another. I cannot so change my position that you will not see me. And you will be perfectly acquainted with all that I say and with all that I do, every posture and every moment, every occupation that has a full knowledge of me. You have a full knowledge of me. I cannot go out of those sights. I cannot put myself into such a position that you will not see me. 
I love it. So God becomes very invested and very interested in everything that I do because he becomes for me my very present help in time of trouble. And then he, then he says, you know, my thoughts are far off. Some people suggest this means God knows our thoughts before we even think them, which is possible. Some people think this means God's never too far away to not know our thoughts. That's possible. But however way you want to look at it, he knows our thoughts. And verse 3 says he's acquainted with our ways. And I love this word acquainted because I was wondering, what does it mean, Lord, to be acquainted with all our ways? And I'm no, no Hebrew scholar, but the meaning of this word seems to suggest that he is to be of use or service. Which says to me this, that God is so familiar with my ways that he is now qualified to know how to help me, to serve and be of use. Does that make sense? You know, when someone is so, you know, you're getting stuck with something, you go to someone who's a master at that trade or a master at that subject. You're having a problem, you might go to someone who's dealt with a similar problem before. The Bible says God is acquainted with all our ways. That word is to suggest that he is so well or so familiar with what's going on that he can be of service. Who are we to say, Lord, you don't get me. You don't understand me. We enter into a new year knowing God is acquainted with all our ways, ready to serve in every way that we need help. In fact, the Bible tells us that he knows us so well that he knows even our temptations. Verse 4, the Bible tells us that For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. That even our words God is perfectly aware of. Can I, can I suggest this? That God is perfectly aware of what you say openly, publicly, secretly, whispering and even under your breath. So even when you decide to say something to someone, maybe even someone you love, and go... And even if you want to say it privately, which I'm sure sometimes the communication privately looks somewhat different to publicly, God is aware. And that just says to me this, if God is so familiar with every word of, on my tongue, whether public, private, whispering under my breath, then all I want to do, Lord, is honour you with my words. I want to know that I can say I honoured you with my words because you're familiar with them anyway. And I think that is a God who is reminding us that though sometimes we even get into conflict, and that's going to happen in life, isn't it? Anyone who tries to run away from that is kidding themselves. It's going to happen. But even in that time of conflict... We can still honour the Lord with our words in what we have to say and how we have to say it. And God is familiar with it. And then finally, and I'll finish here, he says in verse 5, You've hedged me behind and before and you've laid your hand upon me. You get the image of what's going on here? God is hedging 
um, behind and before and then having his hand upon us. You get this sense that he's kind of enclosing. Some people suggest that that means so we can't get out. I don't know about that. It could mean that. But I don't think God's the God that says, I've got you, <laughs> like I've trapped you. Although some people do feel sometimes they're trapped. Even Christians. I so, feel so trapped. Like the Israelites who were freed from Israel, uh, from Egypt, out in the wilderness on the way to the promised land, feeling trapped. I'd rather go back to Egypt. And sometimes people feel like it's a trap. God's got them here, before and in front and behind and on top. I don't think that. I think God's just saying, I've got you safe. I've got you safe. And anything that wants to come in and try and separate you or hurt you or do anything against my will, I've got you safe. Trust me. And I think the psalmist understood this about God. And all he could do is put it in a song, a love song. So brothers, sisters, and maybe friends who don't know the Lord yet, there is a God who loves you more than anyone who could ever love you. Who wants to be your greatest love. Who wants to be your first love. And I want to encourage you not to give up on your first love. As you go into another year, Rather, make it matter even more. Hold nothing back. Hide nothing from him. Don't turn to broken cisterns that will be unfulfilling anyway. Time will tell. But return to the one who is your first love. And give him or hold nothing back from a God who knows you anyway and intimately too. And I pray as we go into another year, and as you reflect it even on your first year, that you make a very solid decision to make him your first love. Really solid decision. Lord, you know the secrets of my heart anyway. Hopefully this psalm has revealed this to us. So here it is. I, hold, I don't hold it back from you. Because you are my first love. And if you don't know this great love, then I encourage you this morning to think, what is there about God that can't be trusted. What is it about God that can't be trusted? That you may find yourself securely and safe in the arms of the Lord. Let's pray together. It's a beautiful time to reflect on the greatness of his love, his awareness, his knowledge of who we are and what is happening. And if you're in a place today that you are, that you, he is your first love, a love above all loves, then that's fantastic. Continue to nurture this, continue to grow in this, continue to make it everything. And if it's not the case, then I encourage you this morning to think about the God who loves us above all other things. 
that we would bring ourselves before him. In an unreserved way. Father, we thank you for this place. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love, Lord. We trust you. We love you. And we pray that you make your face shine upon us. In the days and the weeks ahead, we just pray, Lord God, that we continue to look to you, the God who loves us dearly, and love you in return. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.